Hey everybody, this is Seth Sinclair here on Modern Da Vinci. Thanks for listening in. Today we're gonna to talk about an important topic that is how to use powerful questions to enhance your leadership. As a leader, you're always expected to have answers, whether it's someone on your team coming to you asking for help, a customer asking for more service, or perhaps even a boss coming in demanding a specific result. There's always a constant pressure to provide answers and to do it quickly and to provide the right answer. And while that's a well-intentioned thing is to try and give a quick answer, the problem is sometimes without taking a step back and being a little bit more reflective about the problem we're trying to solve, we risk spending all of our time and energy actually trying to answer the wrong question. So the point of this podcast and the post that we have accompanying this today is to explore that and to look at what does it mean if we take a step back when we're presented with a problem or an opportunity and spend a little bit more time trying to be thoughtful about it and using well-constructed, powerful questions to develop new insight and meaning. So again, in addition to helping reframe a problem and sharpen our focus, asking questions and those that are well-constructed can help foster breakthrough thinking. So when we immediately jump to an answer, we narrow down what we're focusing on, we come up with something very specific, but the potential opportunity that's lost by asking new questions is one where we could generate new curiosity, touch on assumptions that we may not have insight to at the moment, get others engaged in the process of designing an answer and foster creativity, get a forward-looking perspective and actually elicit even more questions, ones that may help develop even more insight. So, you know, I think everybody would acknowledge, yeah, if I, you know, had the time, I would ask more questions. So why, what holds us back? And again, I think one of the primary reasons is we're incentivized from a young age to actually come up with, you know, the right answer, quick answers to questions. That goes back to the way that our schoolwork is constructed, the way that tests are constructed. You know, instead of saying, what is the right question, we have to hone in and do so quickly on finding the right answer. When you miss the right answer, you get a bad score. There's also, I think, uh, a desire to look decisive. So when people come to you with an opportunity, a challenge, decisiveness is something that we feel like looks good. A quick answer, a black and white answer, a yes or no kind of answer that people can really grab onto. And I think that's partially because a lot of times we're uncomfortable with the uncertainty. And tied to that is a desire to look like we have answers. You know, asking questions, taking a step back. For some, that's an admission that we lack knowledge, we don't have what it takes to provide a, a good answer. And so some people may see that as a, uh, a, a negative reflection on their leadership or on the knowledge they have. So. All of those things can come together and in a way that results in us avoiding taking the time to really ask good questions. And again, the consequence is significant because when we jump to an answer to an issue or an opportunity, there's a strong chance that it's going to be unoriginal, very narrowly focused, and just completely miss an opportunity to foster forward-looking breakthrough thinking. So if you agree that taking the time to come up with good questions as part of our leadership process and to build them into the way that we assess problems and make decisions, the next step is how do we construct a good question? The first part of that 
is how we choose the words that comprise the question. So just consider some of the words that almost always are used as we build our questions. We start with questions that start with which, or questions that are yes, no. And then you move up a little bit to questions that start with who, when, or where. And then at the top end of powerful questions, we have words like why, how, and what. So questions that are which, yes or no, those are ones that are almost always going to generate very short, narrow, closed responses. Questions that start with who, when, and where, you're still gonna get a relatively narrow answer or a very specific answer. And then of course, questions that begin with why, how, or what, those are the ones that are just inherently more open-ended and have the best chance to evoke more thinking. So it doesn't mean that a which or yes, no question or a when question isn't appropriate or helpful. It just means when we're thinking about how to ask the right questions, it is helpful to consider how why, how, or what questions may have the biggest impact. So just as a simple example, consider the following. If you ask your team, are we doing a good job? You're gonna get a yes or no answer. If you ask your team, where did we do our best work? That's a little bit more interesting, but you're still going to get a fairly specific answer, perhaps about a condition, a team, a client, something specific. Ask the broadest question, how can we provide the highest quality of service? That's the kind of question that's going to really generate a lot of reflection and learning among you and your team. There's two other important factors to think about when we construct questions. The next one is scope. Scope is the breadth of the question, and it helps influence the magnitude of potential answers that we're gonna get back. So as we go to construct a question, we need to pay attention to scope. If the scope is too broad, the question will end up generating answers that are bigger than we can really get a grip on. So just as a simple example, if we ask the question, how can we improve our community? That feels like something we can really start to brainstorm on. And there may even be ways to narrow down the scope of that to come up with thoughtful and specific answers that we actually can do something with. In contrast, if we ask, how can we improve the world? The scope is so huge that it likely exceeds our ability to develop any kind of meaningful answer. Not that it's not an interesting question or one that we'd like to explore, but for the sake of solving a problem or trying to come up with new and creative action, make sure the scope is one that fits the situation that you're working in. And then a third aspect of questions that's important to consider is assumptions. Most questions come with some kind of assumption built in, whether they're expressly stated as part of the question or just implied. And understanding or being aware of the assumptions that might be built into the question will help you formulate better questions. So for example, if something bad happens and the question is, what happened and who dropped the ball? There's an assumption built into that question that someone made a mistake. And maybe someone did make a mistake, but asking this way will usually result in a defensive response. Now compare that to asking something like, what can we learn from this? You're more likely to get an open and collaborative discussion about how we can learn from that experience and move forward. So just take a look at the assumptions. They can be subtly built in or they can be very overtly built in. Either way, being mindful of those will help you get the best responses to your question. All right, so we've talked about constructing questions, we've talked about the scope, and we've talked about the assumptions. Let's try to put this all together into a simple example. Let's just imagine that you are a manager in a large company and you're responsible for a series of technology projects. And one of your project managers comes running to you with a very pressing issue. We're behind on a task, we're gonna miss an upcoming deadline. What should we do? Based on how we've described the question process so far, 
Let's look at three different responses and the implications of each. First potential response, you say back, I'll pull some resources from another team, get them working on this right away, or maybe we can try to renegotiate the deadline. So of course, in this first response, we did not ask any, any additional questions. Response two, who messed up? Is there any chance left of making the deadline? When could we get back on track? Okay, in this, question, in this scenario, we're using questions. Perhaps the construction of them is not based on what we've learned so far. And then in response three, what's holding us back from meeting the deadline? What options have we not yet explored? How can we still be successful? So again, looking back at these, in response one, we take quick action. We came up with a quick answer. It sounds good. There's not a lot of uncertainty tied to that. You know, putting extra resources at it, adjusting the deadline, those sound like very reasonable and practical steps to take. And they might be. The problem is that without taking some time to reflect and take a little deeper look and questioning of this, we might actually be solving the wrong problem. We can't definitively say that sending resources in will fix the problem. What if, what if resources are not the reason why the team is late? Just consider that again. It would seem like a decisive management action, but it came with risks and perhaps in the bigger picture is not an effective action to solve the root of the problem. In the second response, the leader is asking questions, but they're ones that are poorly constructed and therefore may result in defensive or limited responses. When we say things like, who messed up? Is there any chance left of making it? Who messed up is gonna promote a defensive response. Is there any chance left of making it is going to give you a yes, no answer. Consider that even though we ask questions, perhaps we're not asking the right questions, the ones that will actually foster new thinking. Now in the third response, the leader's asking more open-ended questions. What is holding us back? What options have we not yet explored? How can we be successful? Those are the types of questions, instead of promoting blame, they're likely to promote discussion. Even though it sounds like the leader may be wasting time asking these big, broad questions, in reality, the discussion that comes from these questions could very well highlight the very nature of the issue and provide a more clear, aligned action that's the right thing to do for this team. It may also give the leader insight into bigger picture things that are happening that would allow them to address this issue in the future. Here's a few specific steps you can take to enhance your leadership through the use of questions. Lead by example. Show your employees, colleagues, and bosses that you're not afraid to ask questions. Demonstrate that behavior for them in meetings. When a challenge comes up or an opportunity arises, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Be the one that leads by example by asking questions. Slow things down and be curious. Just resist the urge to fire off a specific response the next time you're directly presented with a question. Following the guidelines we talked about, try to construct a few additional questions. See what you learn. Change your process. Look for opportunities to adjust the structure of your meetings as you bring people together and actually build in time for questions and reflection. Or engage others. Questions are a great way to build ownership with others. So if you bring your team in and you, instead of telling them what they need to do, ask questions and facilitate a discussion as they are generating ideas, that's a great way to get creativity and to encourage creativity from them, but also to shift the ownership of designing solutions to others. That's not passing the buck. That's a way that gets people engaged and wanting to be a part of the solution. So just as one last thought, Here's just a few examples of the type of powerful questions. Envision yourself using these with your teams, with your colleagues, with your leadership, and just imagine the types of discussion that may come forward. What's most fulfilling for you? What have we not yet explored? If there were no constraints, what would we do? And what might we think about this five years from now? So questions like that can apply to almost any challenge, foster the creativity, engagement, and breakthrough thinking that will enhance your results. Thanks for joining today. 
Please subscribe to the site. We'll have lots more content like this in the future, and we appreciate you being part of the Modern Da Vinci 